0: This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 198 of the Catholic Foodie Podcast. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie Podcast, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young. Have you heard the news? Middle Eastern cuisine is trending right now in the United States. That's right. According to food website, foodbeast.com, one of the top food trends so far in 2015 is Middle Eastern food. Joining Middle Eastern food on that list are gourmet donuts, (laughs) which reminds me of district donuts in New Orleans down on Magazine Street, and savory dishes or sandwiches that incorporate waffles believe it or not uh chicken and waffles anyone uh and there are a few others on that list but i want to talk to you today about the middle eastern cuisine so stick around right here where food meets faith that's right this is the catholic foodie podcast where food meets faith and uh, we're talking middle eastern cuisine today why well, I guess you could say that, uh, you know, food, food beast.com came out with this uh, list, uh, about a week or so ago. And, uh, you know, in a way I have to say, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that middle Eastern cuisine is a trend this year. You know, uh, as I was doing the research for my book, um, I, I was able to, well, first of all, I, I did research, uh, online research. Uh, I also, I mean, we, we have a collection, uh, ourselves of, uh, middle Eastern cookbooks, but, uh. I noticed that there have been, over the last, I'd say, uh, year or two, a number of Middle Eastern cookbooks that have come out on the market. Uh, in, in addition to that, we see uh, Middle Eastern restaurants seem to be, at least in New Orleans, which is a city full of restaurants, we have new Middle Eastern restaurants opening up, uh, You know, I don't want to say on a regular basis, but uh, we have had a few of them open up recently, which means, to me, that is popular, right? And, and there's even, uh, there was something I came across the other day of a, of a, a Lebanese food truck. Uh, and I can't remember exactly where that is right now. I don't know if it was in, in Georgia. I have to, I have to look it up. I want to share that with you here on the show today. Uh, the Gypsy Queen, Gypsy Queen cuisine, I believe was the name of the, the food truck. And I want to share that with you. It's a, a chef who, who is Lebanese, uh, actually came over to the United States from Lebanon and, uh, just very intriguing. And I want to share that with you a little bit later on the show. But the point is, you know, there's, you there's The reason why Middle Eastern food is trending. I mean, I I saw that as I was doing the research, the book. And of course, you know, I have to say I'm excited about it because, yes, we do. um, I love Middle Eastern food. Uh, We prepare Middle Eastern food in our home uh, quite frequently. My wife is of Lebanese descent, Lebanese heritage. So she, you know, is part of our family experience, both here in our house, but also with my in-laws when we go to Baton Rouge. And I'm not talking about just my in-laws, but the entire family where, you know, we have have that sort of uh, cultural um, uh, element you know is, is still very very much a part of, of my family where when we have a get-together family get-together it is not unusual to have you know uh, 30 40 50 60 people there uh, it's just that big family big fun, big feast sort of mentality uh, It's kind of like you see in the movie, my big fat Greek wedding. It's very much uh, along those lines. And I love it. It's fantastic. I absolutely love it. And so I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this. And, and of course, you know, I'd have to say, uh, if you are there, you like to cook, or maybe you don't even like to cook, but you, you do like Middle Eastern food and you've never prepared it at home. If you are looking for a resource, something to help you, kind of walk you, guide you through that step-by-step, I have 70-plus, I think it's 76 recipes in the book that I published in November, Around the Table of the Catholic Foodie, Middle Eastern Cuisine. It's available on uh, iTunes. and uh, Not iTunes. It's available on Amazon, Amazon, also Ligori.com or liguri.org. Uh, You can go there and order it as well. Uh, it's probably also available in your local Catholic bookstore and possibly Barnes and Noble. You just have to uh, go by there and check it out or give them a call to find out if it's there locally. Uh, so I do recommend that. And uh, if you do get it, let me know what you think. Uh, I have been... Blown away by the feedback that I have gotten about this book, um, I've had uh, a call. I guess it was uh, about a week and a half ago. Now I got a call from uh, from a lady who uh, is in Baton Rouge, and uh, she has she bought she got the book, and it was given to her as a gift, and she. Um, she has cooked every single recipe in the book. And uh, I, I was just, first of all, blown away that somebody would do that. And, and she did it within like a, about a month, a month and a half period of time because uh, she loves to cook and she loves Middle Eastern food. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, she is actually um, of Middle Eastern descent. And so some of these dishes reminded her of her childhood. And and so she she contacted me and, and told me that she loves the book, loves the recipes and loves the way that I tell stories and loves the way that, that I, I really do spell out the recipe process. Process. I make it very, very easy uh, for you to make those dishes. And uh, in that, of course, very humbling for me. And I, I thanked her profusely for that for that phone call. I have a, another friend, um, Facebook friend, Pamela, uh, who is in Washington, D.C., I believe. And uh, she has has contacted me, too, and just went on and on about about the book and about some of the recipes. And I know she has uh very um, excitedly shared the book with friends and, and family. And I, I'm very um, grateful for her for, for doing that. But it's, to me, it's just, it's awesome to know that the book is well-received. It's awesome to know that people are really getting something good out of it, able to bring their family around the table and to share with them really good food. And maybe foods that are a little outside their, uh, the, the norm, you know, outside of the norm, a little adventurous perhaps, uh, but also foods from the Bible. I mean, we're talking Middle Eastern cuisine. We're talking about recipes that come from the very lands where Jesus or the very land where Jesus walked and in the surrounding areas like Lebanon and Syria and uh, and whatnot. So that's why I am excited about this. And uh, I do have uh, a couple of uh, things I'd like to share with you today in addition to uh, Middle Eastern cuisine. And I think I'd like to start off just with a little voice feedback, uh, Angela Cialana, uh, who is in Texas. Uh, a friend of mine goes. Uh, we go. We go back a few years. Uh, con, you know, we we met originally just online. Uh, like I have a lot of friends that I've originally met just online, but we have met in real life. We've talked on the phone. We've done podcasts together uh, for SQPN. And um, Angela's wonderful. She is a delight. She works. Uh, I mean, she's she's passionate about the faith and about family, and she. Um, uh, she puts her heart into everything that she does and and she left me some voice feedback just the other day asking about you know i had given a question i'd put a question out there uh, a, a month or so ago uh well the last few podcasts that i did about you know what would you like to hear that was the question what would you like to hear and especially you know one thing i had thought of is i, I get emails on a regular basis from folks who are not from Louisiana. Uh, They're from all over the country, but for whatever reason, they're coming into town for business, coming to New Orleans. And they're like, well, what, what should we do? You know, you are there in New Orleans, you write about food, you talk about food and faith and what are some things that we can do? Where should we eat? What are the places where we should not, you know, we don't want to go to New Orleans and then miss these. We've got to go to them. What are those places? And so Angela wanted to share, I guess, a response to to that question uh, of what, kind of content I could provide, something new, something different, because uh, I have been talking about doing, you know, segments where I'm in the kitchen cooking or, or things like that. So uh, I want to share with you that feedback right now, and uh, I'll come back and respond in just a moment.
1: Hey, Jeff, it's Angela Stiolana from San Antonio. So uh, my brainstorm for Catholic Foodie uh, future episode ideas is... Um, Yes, I love the idea of uh, having you go to different uh, restaurants um, that you would recommend for those of us who would like to visit New Orleans in the near future. Uh, different types of restaurants, maybe uh, the best bakeries, the best Italian, the best Middle Eastern, best the uh, local cuisine, that kind of thing. Um, but also maybe um, local parishes. Maybe what are some great parishes to visit? Um, if we're in town, um, related, uh, note on that would be maybe who are some, uh, maybe having some interviews with priests or, uh, other clergy or religious, um, about their food experiences. So like, what did you eat when you were growing up or what's your favorite food now or, um, family memories with fam- with family and food. Um, and of course their, you know, insight on um, faith and food. Maybe there, I know you probably have tons of guest ideas uh, from around the table. Um, so um, other ideas include uh, maybe having some other Catholic or even Christian uh, food bloggers on the show. Um, to just kind of geek out <laughs> and, uh, just have a, a geeky conversation about, um, about faith and food. Uh, I know I love the Catholic cuisine blog. Um, she is just fabulous, uh, with all of her ideas related to the liturgical season. Um, what would Jesus eat? Uh, I don't know if you've covered this in the past, uh, episode or blog, but, um, since you've been to the Holy land and, and your book and everything, um, maybe what would a typical meal for Jesus look like, you think, or, um, anyway, I'll just let you think about that. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, about the species of the Holy land. So the different, um, foods that are mentioned in the, I believe it's the old Testament, um, maybe just kind of talking about um, those foods and how we can incorporate them in our uh in our diet today. Um, so that's just a little brainstorm. <laughs> and I'm super excited to hear that you're going to, um, that you're going to continue podcasting and I can't wait. So thanks for all you do and God bless. Bye. <laughs>
0: Angela, thank you so much, uh, first of all, for uh, for the voice feedback. I love, get, I love, did I say I love? I love getting voice feedback. And uh, just to, to throw that number in right now, uh, you can also leave me voice feedback. Yes, you, you who are listening to this right now, you can call 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974 and leave me a voice message uh, that I can play right here on the show. That's voice feedback. I love get. That and that's what Angela just did. And Angela, thank you again so much for for calling. And uh, you know, you, you're right. I love everything that you uh, had to say. You had a, a lot of um, uh, suggestions there, and uh, and I'm right with you. Matter of fact, I made a list. I wrote down everything that you uh, suggested, and uh, that will be incorporated um, in, in future episodes of the Catholic Foodie. So I'm very excited about that. Um, to respond to a couple of things uh, specifically that you you mentioned, uh, you know, I love the idea of doing um, kind of maybe getting out of the studio and getting into the kitchen. Um, believe it or not, I've actually pre-recorded several uh, segments uh, like that, but because life is so busy, I'll give you an example. One of them was on roux, how to make a roux. So I'm actually making the roux and I've got that recorded and And I was going to put it into, into an episode of the Catholic Foodie Podcast. But here's the deal. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to make that work because – it's not timely anymore. You know, when I recorded that it was a few months ago, it was cold. i talk about it being freezing down here. The fact that we're, you know, uh, you know, you do gumbos and soups typically is something in the fall and the winter and, and not necessarily something you do in the spring or the summer. And then we're now, we're now moving into the summertime. So that becomes an issue too. And I think there's a possible solution coming up for that. And that's maybe something I can share with you in the next episode, possibly of the Catholic foodie. There is some really good news coming up, uh, something that will, um, be a big blessing for uh, the Catholic foodie podcast. I have to share that with you uh, soon. I can't, can't, can't reveal anything, uh, quite yet. Uh, anyway, I love that idea and not only going into the kitchen, but Going into restaurants and see that's the, the around the table food show is something like that, right? We do. We interview. Uh, this is a weekly show. If you don't know about the around the table food show, it's uh, a weekly radio show that I do with Catholic community radio. I've got two co-hosts, my senior Christopher Nolte and Mr. David Dawson. Uh, Mr. David Dawson is the president of Catholic community radio and uh, is broadcast in Baton Rouge on uh, uh, 1380 a.m. and in New Orleans on 690 a.m. on Friday afternoons at 330. And we have, the whole point about that is to really inspire families. Same thing I do here at the Catholic Foodie, inspire families to get around the table. And whether that table's in a restaurant or that table's in your your, your, your kitchen table, you know, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, the point is trying to get folks back into uh, the habit and, and really to cherish the, the the joy of getting together around the table, which is really very Catholic, by the way. So that's the point of the show. And, and as such, we do have a guest on every show. and. And the guests have ranged from uh, chefs, uh, some of them famous chefs like John Besch, uh, Justin Devillier, Chef Leah Chase, Chef Matt Murphy. We have lots of chefs on the show. We have, uh, we have actually gone to restaurants and done the show right there in the restaurant on location. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, we also have uh, Food Riders, uh, the, the show that just aired yesterday. Uh, we had Suzanne Pfefferly, uh, who's an author, a cookbook author. I met her at the New Orleans book festival, uh, when my book was just published, it just come out. Matter of fact, I hadn't even received my copies yet when copies had been sent to the book festival so that I could be there to, to, to take part in that event and do a book signing. And so that was the very first morning that I ever saw my book and held it in my hands. Um, and Suzanne was right there because uh, she was, her book was uh, being featured also at the book festival. And we did a, a a a Q and a session together on, uh, food and, um, and cookbooks. So Suzanne joined us because she wrote a book called, um, uh, Vietnamese cuisine in New Orleans, and there's a huge uh, Vietnamese population in uh, in New Orleans in, and around New Orleans. And uh, the Catholic Church had a lot to do with that early on of making a place, making a uh, you know, making them welcome here in in the United States and in New Orleans. And they have really flourished. They flourish because the Vietnamese have such a, a, a tremendous uh, um, focus on family. The family is very very important, and so they're very tight knit. And and some of the businesses that they have started a lot of uh, Vietnamese restaurants are huge. I mean, they're famous, um, very successful and just great. Great, great food. So she wrote this book and it actually was a, a documentary as well, a TV documentary that aired on, um, I think it was WYES, which is a PBS affiliate, uh, one of the PBS affiliates down here in um, in New Orleans. And uh, anyway, Suzanne was on the show yesterday afternoon. We talked to her about her book and about Vietnamese cuisine, and uh, it was just an absolute delight. So we have food writers. We have food bloggers. We've had some Catholic food bloggers. um, On the show, and some of them are just Catholic bloggers who who don't necessarily write exclusively about food, but they have written about food. I'm I'm thinking right now about the uh, the the, uh, practicing Catholics, right, Um, as as one. And then we also have had uh, Catholic. Uh, food writers and and cookbook uh, authors on the show as well. So those are things that I try to incorporate when I can, like sound clips or, or whatever, into the Catholic Foodie. But what I thought would be really really good because radio is a little bit different, right? Radio is a little bit different than than podcasting. Uh, you don't have as much freedom and much leeway. But what I was thinking would be really cool is to go to some of these restaurants and actually record a segment at the restaurant, or if not a whole show, at the restaurant and talk about like you said, Angela, the, the, the top, whatever, uh, Lebanese restaurants or the top, uh, Cajun or Creole restaurants or Italian or whatever it may be, uh, to do a show in these, in these restaurants. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, it would be tricky to do that and have a chef at the table at the same time because <laughs> usually they're, uh, at least at the time that I would be there would probably be a little bit busy, but anyway, great, great ideas. Um, I do have a few other things that, uh, are kind of in the wings. And, uh, like I said, I will be able to reveal some more of that, uh, soon. I also love the idea, Angela, about, uh, like what would Jesus eat and talk about trying to incorporate a little bit more of that middle Eastern culture. You know, what's it like today? in the Middle East, when you go to Israel, Palestine, uh, in the Holy land, uh, what is the food like there today? And then how, how would it have been 2000 years ago? Because it is a lot different, you know, and just as an example, a quick example, there's, there's a lot more meat available today than there was 2000 years ago, right? The, 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 the socio economic socioeconomic situation 2000 years ago, uh, really prevented the majority of people from benefiting from the the food that was available. In other words, the poorer you were, the less food you had. And, and today, although we could say that there's a lot of similarities in that, that, that structure, it's, it's, it's really not the same. We have a lot more food available today, even for the poor, uh, than, than would have been available back then. So there, there's a, you know, some, some differences, um, Absolutely some differences, but at the same time, we're talking about modern day, the Holy Land, modern times, right? The Holy Land uh, it's still the, the, the same culture, the same culture, the same agriculture too, um, that Jesus, that's where he grew up. That's where he lived. And that's, that was the culture that he took part in. And so, uh, we can certainly learn things about Jesus from 2000 years ago, uh, simply by looking at the culture and that, and the agriculture and, and, the um, uh, just the food preparation, everything else, uh, today in, in the Holy land. So excellent question. Thank you so much, Angela, for, um, for calling in and for uh, sharing with me those suggestions. I have written them all down, and uh, I I will try to incorporate as many of those as I can in future episodes of the Catholic Foodie Podcast. And we'll be back in just a moment.
2: Wow, something smells good. Those uh, goodies in there. Granny, Granny Puckett, the goody lady, my goodness, she makes some good goodies, she's got a thing,
0: it's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, it's cookies, shortbread chocolate dice in between, very, it's good, uh, it's very good. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Podcast. You know, before the break, we were uh, talking, uh, Angela had left that uh, that voice message for me, the voice feedback, and uh, I was talking about some of the ideas for upcoming shows. And, you know, one of the things that Angela had mentioned was uh, just things happening in New Orleans, you know, whether it's the, the w- which restaurants to go to or whatever. And the title of this episode is uh, uh, Trucks, Trends, and Friends, right? Right. And I did that for a reason, uh, because we're talking about the trends of the Middle East, right? The Middle Eastern food in the United States. So I'm also going to talk about food trucks here and and friends, and um, and this kind of plays into some of the questions that Angela had. You know, in New Orleans, uh, we had this this serious um, setback, this serious episode. Uh, just a few years back, called Hurricane Katrina. And Hurricane Katrina radically changed uh, a lot here in New Orleans. And um, it's so good now, you know, the years have gone by. It is so good now to see certain areas of the city really coming back. I mean, a lot of the areas of the city have come back already. And there's some areas that were a little run down prior to Katrina. And, and now we were seeing this uh, revitalization uh, taking place. And I'm thinking of the the bywater area as, um, probably one of the primary ones, at least right now in my mind is one of the primary ones where you see a lot of revitalization taking place. The bywater area prior to Katrina, uh, was, was kind of, I mean, it wasn't really the great part of town, you know, it was, it was an older part of town and it was just kind of run down and, and, um, you know, just not, uh, not a whole lot, whole lot going on over there. But since Katrina, And really just the last uh, three, four years, five years, you see this this revitalization taking place where you're having some really, and, and, and it's interesting, especially in New Orleans, you know, you see revitalization taking place around certain hubs, Right. And the hubs here are restaurants. See a lot of restaurants opening up in the Bywater area. They're unique. They are, uh, they they take a new, a new approach or a different approach to, uh, both the cuisine that they serve, the food that they serve, and also, uh, the service and how they, how they operate and, uh, just really good food. It's a little extra drive time. You're going on the other side, at least from where I am, you're on the other side of the downtown area, uh, in New Orleans, But there's a lot. It's worth it. It's worth it. And I've got a a growing list of restaurants that I want to hit over in the Biowater area. And one of them is called Red's. And this is a Chinese restaurant. There's a lot that I could say about this, and I'm probably going to wait and save it until I'm actually able to go out there and enjoy it. But I will say that uh, my associate pastor, uh, Father Peter Finney at St. Peter's in Covington, uh, came up to me. It was during Lent. It was uh, probably the Friday prior to Good Friday. So a week before Good Friday, we were having the fish fry, you know, over at uh, at St. Peter's and um, Friday fish fry. And we're talking food, <laughs> which, you know, I mean, that's it happens, right? I talk about food. And uh, he says, well, hey, have you ever tried Red's? You know, and, and I said, no, no. What is it? He goes, it's, it's a Chinese restaurant. It's... Um, it, and it's, it's supposed to be just phenomenal. And uh, he said, "Yeah." He goes, "They have a, a Szechuan pastrami slider." <laughs> I was like, "A what?" You know, those two things don't tend to go together. You know, uh, Szechuan pastrami. What are you? What are you talking about? Anyway, I have looked at the menu since then. The, the place is really. You want to talk about eclectic? This is eclectic. Okay. Uh, there is no sign. I mean, there's a sign outside, but there's no signage that has like red Chinese on it. It's, instead, it's just a big red square a red fluorescent sign, just a big red square. It's for reds. (laughs) And it's a, I mean, a hole in the wall, right? It is just a, a old looking place. Just, just not, it's not this big, beautiful, you know, brand new restaurant kind of a thing. However, I have seen nothing but good written and said about this, this place. I really want to try it out. My wife and I are hoping to get there in the next couple of weeks, but, um, as a matter of fact, uh, Chef John Besh has has been there a few times. And I've, I know that because he posts uh, pictures on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> being at Red's. And so he loves it and, and had a lot of good things to say about it. So I'm excited about trying Red's out again. It's in the Bywater area. And along those same lines, you know, I have I have friends. Not necessarily like Garth Brooks, you know, Garth Brooks has friends in low places, but I have, I have friends in in good places and I have friends who, who run food trucks. And that's just a delight uh, to have friends who run restaurants and and food trucks. And I want to tell you a a couple of stories about a a couple of these uh, friends, you know, one of them, a a guy that I uh, went to high school with who has uh, been a chef pretty much ever since he got out of, out of school um, and his own restaurants and, and, and whatnot. But we had him on the show last year around the table on the radio show. Uh, His name is Micah Martello, um, Chef Micah Martello. And at that time, we had him on the show. He was living and had been living in Burlington, North Carolina for a couple of years. Uh, And he was operating a food truck there called King Creole. And we had a great conversation with him that was back, I think, in January of 2014. If you want to, you can probably look on CatholicFoodie.com or go to iTunes and see uh, back in January 2014, that the episode there with Micah Martello and uh, the King Creole food truck. Um, but is, some good news has happened recently for him and really for the city of New Orleans. Along that stretch, right, the the Bywater area, you have St. Claude Avenue is probably one of the, the main thoroughfares there. Uh, St. Claude's pretty famous street. Um, St. Claude Avenue runs down there through the middle of Bywater. And uh, there was an old market that was there. It was an, uh, originally started out in I think 1887 or 1885, something like that. It was an open air market, and over the the century plus, it has been a few different things, right? There's been some transformations in its usage, uh, but it's called the Saint. Rock, St. Rock Market. And I remember when I was teaching, one of my first gigs teaching was out in Miro, Louisiana. There was a, a high school called Archbishop Hannon High School. And I used to drive St. Claude Avenue every day to get there. And I'd pass St. Rock Market, the white building and off on the on the left as I was driving out to Miro. And uh, it was kind of run down, dilapidated, you know. And um, Anyway, at, when, when Katrina hit, uh, the place just went under, it, it was, it hadn't been used. It's just been sitting there for, for all these years. And about a year ago, uh, the, the process started to kind of revitalize that, that building. And just last week it reopened as the St. Rock market. And it's a uh, kind of a, a food hall. Uh, there's a bunch of different vendors in there. Uh, they have, I guess what they call stalls, right? Different vendors in there with different types of foods and, and whatnot. And uh, my friend, Chef Micah Martello, uh, has opened King Creole, the food truck, inside, as a stall, inside... um the St. Rock Market. Now, I don't know. I have to do some of my research. I still haven't uh, done 100% of my research here, but I, I do believe that the food truck is still operating. I'm not 100% sure on that. I need to check it out. Um, but I'm excited, and I can't wait to try that out. There's a lot of good things happening down in the Bywater area, as I mentioned, and this has been in the news. It has been hailed as a, as a, a wonderful thing to happen to our city, the revitalization, the reopening of St. Rock Market. So, very excited. If you are in New Orleans and you want to try something fun and adventurous, go check it out down on St. Claude Avenue. So, congrats to uh, Chef Micah. And I also want to talk about a couple of my other friends who own a food truck, uh, Chefs Keith and Neely Friends. Uh, they have been on the Around the Table Food Show as well, I think, multiple times. Actually, we did a podcast, Catholic Foodie Podcast, a year ago, a little over a year ago. Last year, there was a Vintner's Dinner, a special Vintner's Dinner um, that was at their restaurant. I actually did a show from there on location with a friend of mine, Dr. Danny, or Dr. Daniel Burns, who is a seminary professor at uh, St. Joseph's Seminary College. And uh, that was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And uh, we have done a lot of things with my, my family, you know, personally, just here. We've we've uh, gotten to know uh, Keith and Neely over the years uh, pretty well, and uh, they're friends of ours. And um, love their food, love the, the restaurant they have is called Lola, Lola in Covington. And the uh, food truck is something they do on the side, and it's called Lola de, de as in, you know, two, the number two uh, in French. So Lola de. And Something that was very neat and interesting that, that it happened uh, it originally happened, I guess, almost, golly, it's been a while, year and a half, two years ago, uh, in 2013, is that Eat Street, the cooking channel show Eat Street, came and did a filming there. They wanted to feature uh, Lola on that, that show, and I mentioned this uh, a month or two ago, that the, the show finally came out. It, it didn't air right away in 2013. It didn't air until... Um, 2015. (laughs) So they, they just were preparing way ahead of time, I guess. Uh, anyway, I, I don't have the cooking channel, so I did not get to see the show originally when it first broadcasted or was first aired. Uh, but I did see a recording of it. I just saw it uh, last week and I was just tickled because my son and I both are, are in this uh, show and, and it, it really is an honor for my friends, Keith and Neely. They did, they're both fantastic in the kitchen and they're fantastic on the camera right on TV. So that's fantastic, but this this is a podcast, so you can't see the 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 segment, right? If you have um the cooking channel, you can go and 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 watch it there or find it. I can put a link in the show notes to the uh preview or the commercial for that episode, so at least you know the episode number and all of that. But what I'm going to do right now, I'd like to play the clip because the clip is about 5 minutes. It's a lot of fun. It's um talking about food and, and, and well, you're going to hear it. it. It really is a lot of fun. So I'm gonna let this play and uh, I'll be back in just uh, in about five minutes.
2: As a kid, I was never allowed to make a mess when I ate, but luckily my parents aren't here to stop me. Oh. In New Orleans, Louisiana, one husband and wife team is delivering gourmet scratch-made sandwiches to the curb with a little Southern style.
3: My soul is renewed. Hallelujah. At the Lola Dew
2: truck, fresh-baked French bread gets loaded with beer-braced pork, truffle fries, and house-made pickles. Or try a fried green tomato BLT with bacon marmalade. And the crowd favorite, the hot mess, with house-made pimento cheese, baked ham, and Creole man. Newswise, the hot mess, it's messy. Yes, Mom! I'm glad you're enjoying the show. Yes, I will wipe my mouth clean and tidy my room. What's that? You're still watching. Oh, sorry, Mom. Mm, 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 mm. Great sandwich. One of the best bites I've ever had. Who that? I'm Keith. I'm Neely. And this is Luladu.
4: Where we serve Southern style street food.
0: Mmm. Mmm. Wow. Fantastic. It's a work of art.
4: <laughs> the bacon marmalade is sweet. You've got a fried green tomato.
1: It's delicious.
4: I think people like just getting messy on the streets, they like to feel like they're doing something
1: naughty. Even yep. though I don't look like a hot mess, I could be. It's delicious.
2: Number 18! This sandwich here is called the Mother Trucker.
1: I guess you gotta be careful
2: how you say that. And now I'm gonna introduce you to the Mother Trucker. the mother of all sandwiches. One of the main components is pork butt. Get all the secret season in the crack of this butt. (laughs) Sear the pork butt, get the nice golden color. It's time to start building my brazen liquid, dry time. Since I'm a beer drinker, we're gonna add local dark beer hot sauce, sugar cane vinegar, pour this liquid love all over this big juicy pork butt. Stick it in the oven, how good does that look? them off the bone tender. French fries, anyone? Put them in the fryer till they're golden brown. White truffle oil, nice earthy aroma. Parmesan, parsley. For this mother trucker, we're gonna use New Orleans style French bread, Creole mayo, mustard seeds, horseradish, add a little zing to the sandwich. We're gonna assemble this sandwich pork butt. One meat is not enough. We go ahead and add house roasted brisket, provolone cheese, pork butt on the sandwich, brisket on top the pork, white truffle french fries, house made pickles. The coleslaw is gonna add a nice crisp flavor to balance it out with all that meat. It's delicious. Excellent. The most tender brisket and pork, pickles and brunch to it. Delicious.
1: Creamy. coleslaw, Melted cheese. Oh, oh, my God. Delicious. Here I am a trucker, and I don't drive a truck. Huh? Thank you. I have the bacon marmalade
4: BLT, and it's delicious. We're going to swine and dine it out with our bacon marmalade BLT. It's going to make you want to, I don't know what you're going to want to do, but something naughty. <laughs> We're making bacon marmalade. Yummy, bacony jam sugar, cane syrup, thyme, dark molasses. To this sweet, sweet swine, we're gonna add this red, red wine. Ooh, that is a party happening in this pot. These are green tomatoes. They're nice and firm in texture. Give a nice crunch. They are the tea in my BLT. This bread right here is white focaccia bread. We make this bread every single day. Creole mayo, fried green tomatoes, spring mix. Take this over to the flat top, the piece piste resisto. Bacon marmalade the bacon marmalade BLT
0: It's delicious uh, yeah.
4: Smoky it's so crunchy,
1: crunchy bacony wow.
0: goodness goes so well with the sweet marmalade. It's awesome.
4: Nothing is so southern as a lightly fried green yeah. tomato not asked or anything better
2: <laughs> Hot mess Thank you Our most epic sandwich the hot mess I named it after my wife.
4: I came up with the name hot mess. <laughs>
2: The centerpiece of this sandwich is our house pimento cheese. Mayonnaise, black pepper, dry mustard, cream cheese. My version of pimento cheese is a recipe handed down from my mom. Look how creamy that cheese is. The next part of our hot mess sandwich is this great local New Orleans baked ham. This bread right here is our homemade Akasha bread. I'm gonna add our pimento cheese that we just made. It's gonna be yum. Creole mayo, ham and pimento cheese, sliced tomatoes. Our pickles are gonna add a nice, briny flavor baby greens. Here it is, the hot mess. one napkin for this sandwich. It's messy. The ham is insane. Great cheese. Really soft, really creamy. Half-made pickles. A little tart. Got that crunch. The piccaccia is incredible. Best sandwich
3: I've ever had. Messy. You can eat half of it and probably wear the other half home.
4: We'd like to think we make people in our town happy. Mmm. Mm, great food. We try to bring an element of food, fun, family. We
2: want one of everything. Everything that they serve here is fantastic.
4: Mm. It's amazing. Keep on trucking.
0: Man, you talk about fun, huh? That that was a lot of fun. It was a fun for us to be there, but I, I am just, uh, I'm so happy for Keith and Neely. They they, they they do such an incredible job with the food that they serve. Matter of fact, we did uh, the book launch for the Catholic Food, for the Around the Table of the Catholic foodie the book launch party uh, we we had at their restaurant, and they, they cooked from the book. They cooked uh, recipes from uh, my book for that night, and that was just, a, um, wow, what a delight. What a delight. So if you are ever in New Orleans, again, uh, on the North Shore in Covington, across Lake Pontchartrain, you're going to find uh, Lola in Covington, right there in the heart, right there in downtown Covington. And uh, the food truck, if you're out at the farmer's market on a Saturday morning or maybe the Rock and the Rails events that we have in downtown Covington on Thursday evenings uh, in the spring and the fall, you're going to find Lola de there and some of those awesome sandwiches, right? Awesome. Those truffle fries and the, uh, the sandwiches like the hot mess or the bacon marmalade. Oh my goodness. (laughs) What a, what a, what a joy, what a joy. So, uh, again, congratulations to Keith and Neely. It was fantastic to be featured on E Street and, uh, just so excited for them. Uh, and now, you know, I talked about, um, Trying to experiment here with audio, and trying to experiment here with uh, with the podcast. And along those lines, I do want to share one last thing with you today. And uh, just just last week, it was Wednesday. Last week, uh, I was this past week, I was um, in New Orleans. We we do we pre record that radio show. By the way, on Wednesdays, don't tell anybody that we pre-recorded okay that's a secret you you can't you you really please don't don't tell anybody that but we do we do pre-record on wednesday afternoons and it airs on fridays so um I was in New Orleans to uh, at the studio to uh, to pre-record the, the the shows. We did two back to back. We had Chef John Besh on uh, for the first segment, and then uh, Chef Justin Taveilier on for the second segment. Both both of them and uh, have been nominated multiple times uh, for James Beard Award. the The James Beard Awards are actually going to be held on the Star Wars Day, uh, May Fourth. You know, May the Fourth be with you, Star Wars Day. That's going to be uh, just just a couple of weeks away. Less than a couple of weeks away now I believe. Um, so, uh, it was great to have both of them on the show. We talked to them about the restaurants. We talked to them about family. We talked about, you know, their, their different types of food that they serve on the menu, their service or concept of service. And, uh, and we talked to him about the James Beard awards and what they're all about and, and what it means for a chef to, to receive that kind of an award. And, uh, it was, it was a delight, uh, absolute delight. But when I left the, the studio I looked out over the horizon and I saw these black ominous clouds I mean, we've had like a solid week worth of not just rain, but thunderstorms, you know, big, big, big thunderstorms and all across the area. And so we had a a, a little reprieve there on Wednesday for several hours and I looked out over the horizon and this is like probably, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, uh, you know, traffic time, uh, peak traffic time from four or five or six, between four and six, let's say, uh, people going back home, commuting or whatever. And I look out over the horizon, I see just this, these black, ominous, clouds. And I'm thinking, Oh man, I, I gotta, I gotta hurry. You know, I gotta get out of here. Um, cause the, the bridge that I have to cross to get back home is called the causeway. And it is the, one of the, it is the, at least for a long time, it had been hailed as the world's longest bridge is 24 miles long. It spans Lake Pontchartrain. And so I said, um, man, I gotta get out of here, you know, but I also had to run an errand. I had to go to Whole Foods and pick up some, uh, special ingredients and, uh, uh I can only get there. So I had to make that stop first and, and it just kept getting darker and darker, you know, as I got to Whole Foods and I'm trying to race through and get everything I needed. And, and finally got to where I checked out and, and, and got back in the car, still no rain, you know, it's just ominous, dark thunder, lightning, very, very frightening, you know, uh, but no rain. And, 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 I got in the car, and started driving from Whole Foods and Metairie. And by the time I got to, Causeway Boulevard, not the bridge itself, but Causeway Boulevard, uh, I mean, it, it just opened up. It it was, I have not seen rain like that in forever. So I was so blown away by it that I pulled out my iPhone to record it because it was April, April, and we were having hail in New Orleans, hail. Pelting my car, I kept thinking, "Oh my goodness, my my windows are going to shatter." So I, I did record it. It's a three minute segment. I want to play it right now because you know I get the I just giggle when I hear it. So I wanted to <laughs> share this little uh, moment of joy with you. And uh, let's take a listen. All
3: right, I am uh, just got on the bridge on the causeway. Uh, there's a major storm coming through with hail and and everything. This is, let's see, April, right? And I feel like I'm getting pounded. I'm going uh, about five miles an hour. Uh, I've got basically, you know, 15 feet, maybe 20 feet visibility. I can't see anything. Uh, cars in front of me going very, very slowly uh, with hazard lights on in addition to their their lights. I uh, feel like I'm getting pelted here with, uh, with hail. I don't know if you can hear that. And for the rain, it's just, it's unbelievable. I don't think I've been in weather like this in, in a long time. And uh, I wanna kinda of capture this because uh <laughs> it's pretty wild. And you know, of course it's gonna start, you know, it looks bad, it looks black, the sky was black, but nothing uh, was coming down, no rain at all. When I, when I left, I was at Whole Foods and Metairie. With no, uh, there was no rain coming down yet. And from the time I left that parking lot to the time I got on the Causeway Boulevard, uh, before getting on the bridge, it just started to absolutely storm. Uh, Unbelievable, wind, uh, the the rain, you can see the rain falling really so heavily and being blown by the wind. You know, and then I get on the bridge and the next thing I know I'm getting hit with hail. And that's where I'm at right now. I mean, I can barely see. This is unreal. Unbelievable. It's 4:45 in the afternoon. So peak, peak traffic. I can't the car in front of me was stopping. Man, peak traffic time, and here we are. We can't. Meet. I, I'm thinking they probably should have closed the bridge, at least uh, temporarily. Uh, but I guess, I'm, and they probably they may, they may. But I beat them to it, you know. I did have this thought, a little, little quick thought right before getting on the bridge that maybe this isn't such a good idea. <laughs> maybe I should sit and park somewhere and just sit for a little while and uh, wait till I can at least see. But I felt like being a little adventurous, and uh, here I am having an adventure. And it seems like the hail has passed. I don't feel hail anymore. But man, there were a few hits. I thought, God, look at my windshield my wind But it didn't. So we're going to wait here and uh, it may be starting to slash it up a little bit here. Where I can see. Unbelievable. Unbelievable
0: man, that was something. I was so happy to uh, make it back home to make it across the bridge uh, without any incident. you know, It, it was about three, four minutes of, or so, five minutes of of you know very uncomfortable driving. Uh, but then after that it, it all it, it cleared up and and I made it across. no big deal. So uh, that was it. It was, You know, thank God. Thank God that we are safe. So here we are, folks. We're at the end of the show today. I hope I certainly hope that you have enjoyed it. Uh, if you have, please let me know. You know, uh, the podcast again. I've been doing radio for the last uh, couple of years now, and uh, the podcast hasn't been as frequent as it used to be. But uh, as I mentioned early in the show, there's some news I want to share with you. I can't do it yet, but there's some news coming up that I think is going to certainly change that. And if you have enjoyed the Catholic Foodie today, I I certainly hope that you have. And if you have, please consider going to iTunes and leaving a review uh, or at least a rating. I have uh, many, many um, five star ratings there, and and I'm so thankful that that a number of folks uh, have over the years left uh, reviews very you know don't have to be long but a short review uh, about why they like the show and, and why others should maybe give it a chance and, and listen and if you have a moment just to log into iTunes and search for uh, Catholic foodie um, leaving me a little review would be would be awesome uh, thank you so much for that uh, also uh, keep in mind you know Angela thank you so much again Angela for leaving voice feedback and and you can leave voice feedback too is there a question that that you have about uh, food and faith and how they work together, how they complement each other, uh, ways to get your kids around the table, ways to get uh, your, your kids to eat new and different and yummy foods, um, anything along those lines, anything about a certain maybe cooking technique, like how do you make a roux or how do you how do you do uh, grape leaves, roll uh, Lebedee's grape leaves, anything along those lines about food and faith. Please do feel free. Give me a call. Leave me voice feedback. Nine, eight, five, six, three. Five four nine seven four nine eight five six three five four nine seven four. I'd love to play your voice feedback here on the show and uh, and then respond to it. So again, thank you so much for listening. I hope that all is well with you. And until next time, bon appétit.